Welcome back to the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Nikolai Myers, a professional strongman athlete, and Katie Plain, his massage therapist, to discuss Nikolai's training, rehab, and recovery as a professional strongman. Over the last six months, Nikolai, Katie, and I have worked as a team to prep Nikolai for his most recent competition at the 2023 Official Strongman Games. Nikolai is an Army combat veteran and decorated strongman athlete, holding titles including the 2021 90 kilogram World's Strongest Man, America's Strongest Veteran, Circus Dumbbell World Record Holder, and he has the most consecutive finals in the official Strongman Games with five top 10 finishes over the last five years. Nikolai, Katie, and I discuss navigating injuries as a high-level athlete, the importance of building a supportive and knowledgeable team of rehab professionals, his journey through Strongman, and learning to listen to your body. Nikolai has a lot to share and has become one of the most rewarding and most challenging humans that I have gotten the chance to work with as a PT, and I am super grateful for the friendships that I now have with both of these people. Enjoy this episode with Nikolai and Katie. Before we get to the episode, I want to make sure you know about my website, thegoalsetmindset.com, where you can find out more about what Goal Set Mindset has to offer, leave a question for the podcast, and check out more of our content. Head on over to www.thegoalsetmindset.com or click the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests. We've got Nikolai Myers and Katie Plain. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Nick, I'd love if we could get started with you introducing yourself a little bit. Um, tell us who Nikolai Myers is. Um, Nikolai Myers is a professional strongman. Um, also get the name Uncle Nick quite a bit, as you guys know. Um, I 2021 uh, 90 kilo world strongest man. Um, circus dumbbell world record holder at the time it was pound for pound uh, the strongest dumbbell press in history um, and America's strongest veteran um, also this year I uh, set a record record at the official strongman games um, most consecutive finals top 10 uh, qualify for finals on day three Hell yeah. um, so it's my fifth one and fifth final in a row um, and uh, also dabble in the world of motorsports. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun getting to know all the different things that comprise you, Nikolai. I think most people know you as the professional strongman, mm-hmm. but um, you've got a lot of layers, which is cool. That's my favorite thing to I'm dig into is all those layers. Let me ask you, where did the name Uncle Nick come from? Because that's a story that I actually haven't asked you. <laughs> um, so back when I was training out of Never State, I was coaching there and... Um, that's where I trained that adaptive athlete I was telling you about. And, um, this 360 pound Nigerian comes from Africa to train out of Never State. He, uh, he was like an elite level power lifter and actually ended up qualifying for world's strongest man representing Nigeria. Um, and still being very new to, to strongman, we decided to help him how we could and uh he the first time he came over was like for six months had a visa and after a couple of weeks he started calling me uncle nick his name's olu and uh i was just like whatever it's probably a culture thing and it's a 360 pound nigerian like i'm not gonna like not argue gonna correct him. Him. <laughs> um, and he's just this the gentlest soul, like everything about him, like he looks big and bad, but he's just a giant teddy bear. And um, so I was like, Olu, why do you keep calling me Uncle Nick? He's like, well, I came here and you and Brian coached me, mentored me, and I don't ever know what you're going to say or do. So I was like, so I'm your crazy uncle. And he was like, yeah. Nice. <laughs> like, and he started doing it on the YouTube channel when, um, before I had mine, so it was on Brian's. Brian Algeru, and uh, it stuck. Yeah, like <laughs> people whole, love that shit. Hundreds of thousands of people started calling me Uncle Nick within the videos, and then I was like, I just kind of caved and I changed my Instagram handle to it and all that stuff, and just 
I hated it at first. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I feel like, it makes me feel like, like I drive a van with free candy on the side. Yeah, and, and you, then, you do give crazy uncle energy in some ways, but also, agreed, I picture somebody a little bit older acting, like you're kind of also like crazy older cousin vibes is more so where I'd put you. And and he's older than me, so it was, it was weird. And I was like 24, 25 when I got okay. that name. So I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice well that's cool that it's stuck and it's funny because when i w- was getting to know you nick and doing a little bit of research on you before this podcast when you search your name it's like some people just straight up call you uncle nick yeah 100%. like they don't even know your last name yep so it's definitely part of your identity um now katie i'd love if you could introduce yourself tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got connected with nikolai I'm Katie Plain, and I own Plain Sports Massage. Uh, I got connected with Nikolai through a mutual friend, Tyler. Uh, I was sponsoring his girlfriend, who was also in the strongman world uh, sometime last year. And Tyler and Nick go back, and they've known each other for a few years. And Tyler loves my work, loves what I do, loves how I helped with Abby, and was like, hey, you should get involved with Nikolai. And I'm like... I have no clue who this guy is. Set it up. And it was so funny because my husband had been following him on Instagram for years. That's hilarious. And he was fangirling. And I'm just like, oh, I have a Zoom call with this, like, Uncle Nick. And Brad's like, what? Can I sit in? Can I listen? And I'm almost like, who is this corner? guy? I'll be quiet, I promise. <laughs> so being able to, like, I work with a lot of professional athletes, but mainly in the world of football. So to be able to stem out into Strongman has been enlightening and very interesting for me yeah that's awesome so what made you like were you when you guys got connected did you at that point have injury stuff going on or did your buddy just be like yo you would benefit from some body work yeah I I think at that point like I was hurt um uh so the herniated L3 L4 torn L5 S1 and what we had found out through the imagery is that that tear was allowing the nucleus of the disc to push out and pinch the nerve. You sound and, so smart right now. And it was shutting down my hamstring. <laughs> I've never heard you say the word nucleus. Nucleus. Like. <laughs> is that you, not what it's called? No, no it, it is. is. It's like, just, just impressed. <laughs> Big dumb strong man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was actually shutting down my left hamstring. And uh, the, the year prior, um, we had this weird thing going on. I wasn't having any pain symptoms. And it would just be like, as a, a 700 pound puller kind of any given day. And uh, why was I having days where there was just no motor? Like 400 pounds was brutal or stapled. And um, uh, like I said, I wasn't really having the pain symptoms. So I just figured it was fatigue or, or whatever. My coach and I were kind of just playing it as that way. Like, all right, we, we changed my work off of the effort base to kind of accommodate for that. So seven out of 10 efforts, seven out of 10 effort, whether it's on 200 pounds or 500 pounds, doesn't matter, effort's effort. And um, eventually it got to the point where it just like, I was prepping for a show in England, Chaos, and uh, it went on a warm-up pool, like 350 pounds, like 50% or sub. And like, takes the wind out of you, like at first it was just like I was stiff I was pulling got to about my knees and it was like someone turned off a switch and the bar I didn't have a choice like it was just off and then the pain slowly rolled on couldn't stand up straight when got on prednisone and all that stuff and then eventually got linked up with her after I got all the imagery done and all that stuff so now we had a route to the problem my current coach at the time handed me off to kind of his mentor, my coach Max, handed me up to Tom uh, Hibbert uh, with winning strength, and he's much more equipped uh, for what I was going through. I mean, he's he's coached several guys into world record deadlifts, so he knows what it takes to, to build that lower back musculature, and that's been the plan is to build that lower back because the tear's the tear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we can't unfuck can't that. No. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, combined with Katie and she had me seeing a chiropractor for a while and she's who introduced me to you, uh, to kind of create this tag team of, um, let's keep him in one piece cause he's an idiot. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, hey, you just you get pleasure from beating the crap out of yourself. We all have our vices. Um, but yeah, Nick, it's it's all this injury stuff. I mean, no matter who you are, it's tough. But especially as a professional athlete, knowing that you have these world class competitions mm-hmm. ahead of you, and that things can happen at any given time, having a team is super important. I want to dive more into that. But first, I want to talk about my experience getting introduced to you. Because I'll never forget it. I mean, I think it was back in, like, June. Yeah. You started seeing Nickeline here. I think there were maybe two sessions. You were rolling into the gym here. And, you know, Katie and I um, are are the businesses that the business that she owns and the business that I work for are under the same roof. So we interact um, quite frequently. And I remember just seeing you come in and out and just being like, never seen a beard like that. You know, like, who is this dude? Where is he from? Who is this Neanderthal? And then one day I was treating on my side by myself it was later at night I think on like a Thursday night and I look over and I see Katie scraping your abdominal fascia yeah. while you're like <laughs> while you're I was, was just like, really the first I was, time? like this is my first memory oh. I was like what the f- who what the fuck is going on I just need to know more about this like I'm just intrigued because um, you you were having at that time you were having a lot of just tightness and pressure and symptoms with extension yes like getting into that kind of log mm-hmm. log extension or whatnot you know proper terminology mm-hmm. um but yeah i came over and was just like hey like how you guys doing or or you were a little concerned about his groin pain thinking mm-hmm. like all right maybe we should rule hernia. out hernia mm-hmm. so katie brings you over to me it was like can you check him out and i'm just like yeah i'm game like let's go and like she said you were a strong man i didn't know what level you were at or or anything about you really um, but what I did know was to screen you for a hernia, I was about to get all up in your groin. And so I'm like, hey, Nikolai, nice to meet you. I'm Julie. Get on the table. Pull it to the side. Here we go. And uh, yeah, that was our first interaction. And since then, you know, talking about what you'd been dealing with, um, I looked at a slump test on you, which is looking at neural tension. And that lit up telling me that that disc was definitely contributing to what you were feeling. Um, and yeah, from there, it was just like, hey, I'd love to be a part of your team. But it's so funny because at that time I was just getting educated on all my like women's health, pregnancy and postpartum, pelvic floor stuff. Curveball. I walked into True Sports being like, yes, this is who I'm going to see. And then this literal Neanderthal strongest man in the world walks in and I'm like, all right, yep, curveball. Just kidding. Change up. Let's take a left turn and, and see how we can help this guy. Um, and then it's been a really fun part collaborating with both of you guys, you know, throughout the last, I guess it's been like seven months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, when I met you and when you started working with Katie, you said you were at that point planning to compete in chaos. When yeah. was that supposed to go down? So that was going to be July. So that was, that was a show I actually had to drop out of due right. to the injury because it was so close. Right. It was like a few weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, and my deadlift at that point, uh, was an empty bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, you don't have a deadlift, you don't. You're not competing in strongman because you literally have to pick everything up off the floor, even if you're pressing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And knowing that you had official strongman games, that's OSG, right? Yes. All right. So you had OSG coming up months later. Did you kind of have to weigh your options there of like, all right, I can try for chaos and see what I can do, or I can put all of my eggs in that OSG basket and really play well, for that? Well, at that point, chaos wasn't even an option. Okay. Like, there, there is just no realm... No, no world of which that was going to, like, I mean, we're talking about sitting on a plane. I couldn't sit at 90 degrees without my feet going numb. Um, it got excruciating. Like, I was having days where I had to roll out of bed onto the floor, push myself up onto my hands and knees, grab the bed, stand up. Like, that's where I was at at that point. Yeah. And uh, I still have mornings like that sometimes. And I just kind of kind of rolled those punches. But at that point, it was most days. So, like, competing like that, it just wasn't, it wasn't, I was going to do more damage. So, my coach was like, absolutely not. Let's just focus on the back, focus on OSG, uh, and and get you dangerous for that one. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And, I mean, that says a lot coming from you, too, knowing, obviously, any professional athlete, especially in your sport, um, you can take a lot of pain. Like, like you're a tough motherfucker. You're a combat veteran. You've been blown up. Like, so for you to say, like, yo, there were days where I had to roll out of bed because I was in so much pain. Um, that just speaks volume as to how serious this was for you. 
and makes your journey even more amazing to where you got on that stage. Um, you performed, you know, well this year. You set that five times in the finals record, and um, you know your body held up. Now, I would love for you to take us back to the beginning of Strongman for you, because I we've talked about it a bit, and you say you got into it by accident. Talk about how you found Strongman and what that first year was like for you getting into it. Um, yeah, so at that point, so I was separated from the Army uh, 2016, um, and uh, I was actually using my GI Bill. So I was an aviator in the Army. I was a door gunner on Black Hawk helicopters. Um, found a love for flying, uh, again, by accident. Um, I was volunteered, volu- well, we call it voluntold. Uh, to become a door gunner. Voluntold. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I get out. I know I like to fly. I wanted to do more with aviation. So I go into flight school uh, down in Baltimore County. And uh, I start learn- learning to become a pilot. And I was I was loving it. I was flying a few times a week. I had my ground school stuff, which was easy because it was all about application. Um, my brain works better with that than, you know, we're not doing geometry and all that nonsense. Um, uh, and I was just kind of bored with the standard gym procedure. Um, go in, lift, dumbbells, barbells, machines, go home. It just, I'm the poster child for ADHD. So like, I was just getting super bored. (laughs) Really? No, not at all. And um, a friend of mine, uh, that I went to high school with, posted a video of him loading an atlas stone. I'm like, that looks like fun. I've seen that. I know what that is. That strongman, that, I didn't know, like, I fell into the masses of, I didn't know people that weren't 6'8 did that. Mm-hmm. You know, because the only thing they showed on television was the heavyweights. So he's like, yeah, come on out. So I messaged him and told him to come on out. And the first thing I ever touched was an atlas stone, so we just worked up. And the first stone I loaded was 300 pounds once we once we got up there. So, and at the time I didn't know, you know, what that meant. I'm like, I'm I'm just following the dopamine here. Like this is fun. <laughs> uh, so we move over to the log. I clean and press the 260 log. Uh, then we played the circus dumbbell. Um, I think I did a 175, 180-pound dumbbell, never touching it before. And when you say a circus dumbbell, what exactly is that movement? What does that involve? Um, it's a clean and press. So okay. the dumbbell, the bells on each end are 12 inches in diameter, so you can load plates into it, and the handle is like a Coke can. It's like two inches. It's literally like grabbing onto that microphone. Um, and it comes from the old time. You ever seen the guy in like the leopard print? Leotard or is it Unitard? Like it's a le- um, from like the circus. Yeah, like the actual so, oh, like brother yeah, circus. But, yeah, like the, so with the big mustache. That's where it got its name. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And you have a couple different uh-huh. variances. You got the Thomas Inch. You got the Loadable. You've got the Globe. Like you've got different styles of circus dumbbell. And the Thomas Inch like has its own record. Um, where circus dumbbell, whether it's Loadable or Globe, um, the Globe ones you got to put like lead shot and sand in. Um, but yeah, so, uh, then we go into like a yoke carry and I picked and walked, you know, like 10 feet with like 700 pounds, never touching yoke before. And, uh, one of the guys I was training with, uh, Randy, he was like, should probably stick with this. (laughs) And I was like, if I like it, sure. And so they talked me into signing up for a contest two months later. So what year is this? This is like 2017. Okay. Cool. Um, 2016, 2017. Um, and I do the contest. I finished second by a point, And it pissed me off. Because mm-hmm. I'm competitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what pissed me off about it was he was in the 231-pound division. I was in 200s. And they didn't have any other 231 sign-ups. So they combined him down. Which... I've never heard of doing before, and I've never seen since. And he beats me by a point. And I was like, that's fucked. And he got a chrome axle bar, and I was like, man, <laughs> like that's so sick. 
And uh, the promoter literally hands him a 200-pound invite to Nationals to a 231 and goes, this won't do you much good, but here's your 200-pound invite to Nationals. So I was like, I didn't know at the time, but I'm like, that is not that is not how you do that. Um, so I compete again, finish second by a point. Third contest rolls around, uh, Maryland's strongest man, I think, and I win. And I earned my invite to nationals. I, I earned an invite coming in second, but I'm like, I'm not going to go. If I can't win here in a parking lot, I got no business going. Because I didn't know what level I was walking into at nationals. So I won Maryland's Strongest Man and uh, went to nationals. Uh, this is all within my first year in the sport. I go to nationals, I'm like... Cards will fall how they may. Like, I don't know what I'm up against. I don't know anybody in the sport. I'm I'm nobody, right? Just a Carroll County boy. Yeah, yeah. some shit around. <laughs> yeah, so um, I go, I'm going into the last event, and my coach, Brian Alzrew, um, he goes, hey, you're tied for first. And I was like, that's when it hit me. I'm like, I can do this. And it was a stone of steel, so it's a stone that separates in hemispheres and you load it plates into it and it's powder coated you can't use tacky you can only use a tacky tower spray tacky but you can't use the actual sticky stuff that comes in a jar and uh unlike stones i'm good at this Mm -hmm. and um i want next thing i know like um and it's not like worlds where like they tell you after last event like hey you're the world champion it's like you wait till the dinner like a few hours later and uh but my coach was looking at the points he's like dude no you you won because you beat the guy that you needed to beat by two reps there's no way you didn't like there's no way you didn't win and uh sure enough i won and earned an invite to the arnold which at the time there was only three weight divisions at the arnold so it was 175 231 and open heavyweight i was in the 200 pound division so i had to go compete against 231s and i think i finished like at that time, I was like 185 pounds. Damn. Um, and I think I, I weighed in, and they go, you're overweight. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm in sweatshirt, sweatpants, sweatshirt, phone in my pocket, water bottle in the front pocket. It was cold and rainy in Ohio. Um, and I'm like, I'm in the 231s. They go, oh, I got mistake for 175. <laughs> And you're like, fucking watch me, man. Watch and me hit, those, hit that 230. So now times. mind you how this sport goes. Guys typically typically sit 10 to 20 pounds over their weight division, cut weight, weigh that for five minutes, and then blow back up because it's 24-hour weigh-in from contest. And uh, so I look very noticeably smaller than everyone else in my division. Like we're talking about 250-pound animals that are fast explosive strong everyone's a freak and then there's me like you know um first year in the sport not knowing what the hell's going on and i think i placed like 14th out of like 40 or 50 some competitors at 231 um my competitive brain's like oh you're a piece of trash but my coach was like dude you just competed up a division and you're well within the top 20 in the world, he's like, relax. Now there's a 90-kilo division at the Arnold for 198s, um, which would have been nice then, but it's cool that now that division is recognized at the Arnold because it is, and I will go on record saying this, it is the most competitive division in the sport right now. The fact that you can have your top 10 and first through seventh has like a four-point spread by the last event, any one of those guys can win it you're not really seeing that in any other division at the moment. Like, it's just so close, so competitive, depending on the events, depending on who shows up. Like, it can be any one of, like, seven guys that can just win, uh, depending on the event. Yeah. I definitely noticed that watching. So when I met you, Nikolai, I didn't know jack shit about Strongman. The only (laughs) thing I knew was exactly what you said. I remember gyms I went to, you know, back in high school that had TVs on. They'd have Strongman playing, and it's like the big, giant Russian dudes Mm -hmm. carrying cars. Um, And so when I met you, like, you looked super strong, but I I didn't think Strongman because that's what I pictured. 
Um, and so when you competed at OSG back in December and I live streamed it and I'm watching it, like, you're right, your weight class was so exciting. And uh, Giovanni and I were actually following, there was like a, like a, somebody was running like a Google spreadsheet online, updating mm -hmm. it like yeah. in real time. Um, and seeing the places jump around yep. was way different than seeing some of the other weight classes where you kind of knew mm -hmm. what guys and girls were going to win. Um, but one thing I want to jump back to, hearing your story about the beginning of Strongman, you obviously picked it up very quickly. You have a gift for what's involved in the sport. But those couple of second place finishes that you got and then competing in that weight class and not coming in top five or top ten, like... Do you feel like looking back, that was a good thing for you because it kind of gave you that fuel that you needed to be mm -hmm. like, I want to get at the top compared to if you stepped on a stage for the first time and crushed everybody? Like, do you feel like that kind of fueled that fire that you needed to, you know, continue to improve? I mean, coming in second by a point or half a point is, is all I needed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I'm a psychopath. Uh, no one's arguing. Like, <laughs> thanks, Katie. You're welcome. Um, says the lady who puts people in pain for a living. Um, but yeah, and I, I think going to Arnold, just kind of experiencing what you know the top guys were doing at the time, like in the 230, in the next division up, really gave me a big perspective of of where I was within my division. It's like, okay, I can crack. Like there were a couple events where I was like top three, top five in that specific event, like the circus dumbbell, uh, I got third. Um, the farmer's care, I did well and I and I fell. I was, my lane was where it entered, everyone entered and chalked up and it was a polished concrete floor. And you had to stop halfway, deadlift three times and then carry again. And at the end, you had to stop and deadlift three times, four times stop. So it behooved of you to slow down and set them down and go right into the deadlifts. So I went to slow down as soon as I put on the brakes. Like, the camera angle is hilarious. Because it's someone recording from the crowd, and there's, like, this banner and this, uh, like, metal fencing. And you just see me disappear. <laughs> and then you see me pop back up a second later. And then... Like a fucking jack in the box. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I still place, like, around top five in that event against guys that are bigger, faster, stronger. Um, so it kind of gave me, like, okay, like, I can bang. Like... Uh, let's party. Let's yeah. see what happens. And then um, 2018, so I qualified for 2017. Arnold 2018 rolls around. Um, at that time, there was no real path to OSG. Um, so they did an online qualifier. I qualified. I think I was like the number one seed in the online. Um, and I go in and I miss podium by point in my first year at that level. And I was like, I can win this shit. Like I left <laughs> that just like fire, like mm -hmm. consumed everything. That that's, that this is where we're going. And that's where like the, the ADHD brain hyper focus, <laughs> yeah. you know, slapped by the tism really <laughs> kind of helped me out. Um, 2019, I had no business competing. That's when I had that super ventricular tachycardia, mm. like two weeks out. And my cardiologist was like, absolutely not. So I competed, not clear from cardiology. Um, competed in AFib the entire time. Um, and I'm still in diagnosis. I still don't know. The head of electrophysiology at UMD at that time was like, you could drop dead in the parking lot tomorrow. And we don't know why. You're like, I'll take my chances. <laughs> mm -hmm. Damn. I was like, run it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I actually didn't know that, that part of your medical history, um, yeah. to be honest with you. But oh, I think you did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well, hey, that's, that's that. That's all right. Um, yeah, no, Nicola, I love hearing, though, about that part of your, the beginning part of your journey of being good enough to see a future, the fact that it was realistic, um, but also falling a little bit short to propel you forward. And it's great that you've had great coaches in your corner. Like, that concept of borrowing belief from somebody yeah. I think is so important. Even for somebody like you who, like the first day I met you, it's like, all right, this dude's confident, he knows what he's got, whatever. But like, no matter how confident or how good you are in a sport, we're all gonna kind of struggle with that self-doubt. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest value of having a coach. No matter how high or low level you are in your sport or in life, like get somebody who can look at you and help you objectively see like, dude, this is where you're matching up. Um, and that can exactly be, you know, what propels you forward. 
Yeah, and it, it all comes down to, like, I, I lined up somehow lined up with the right coaches at the right time. You know, when I first got out of the military and was at Muscle Mine, uh, Phil just gave me this sheet of, he was the owner of movements and rep ranges to do. And I had no real structured strength training prior to that. And I just kind of followed that. And, uh, you know, Randy kind of took me under his wing at Muscle Mine. He was the, the silent partner and was showing me how to do the movements. And now he was a big dude. He was three and a plus. Um, so I kind of had to take what he said and do it my way because I don't have a big old belly to, you know, clean a log on. That was my favorite part of watching the Strongman Games, to be honest with you, was the big people using their belly to rest that log for a hot sec and then just send Power it. bellies. I'm like, that's cool. Oh, the, you're talking about the barbell. Yeah, the barbell, yeah. barbell. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then... <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> nothing, nothing there. And then Brian Alger ran into me at a comp, and he's like, he called my deadlift shots, and he's like, "What's your deadlift?" I was like, "I've never had a reason to deadlift over five, so I pulled five. I know I can do it. I'm gonna open at four fifty-five, go five, see what else is there." He's like, "You're opening at five. and I pulled five, and he first time meeting me put me onto a five hundred fifty-pound deadlift, and it wasn't that hard. I was like, "Oh." And uh, he coached me into a national championship. Then he handed me, when I had the heart problems, Terry Rady had dealt with something similar, so he knew how to guide my nutrition to help mitigate it. Um, and a, a lot of it worked. Um, and uh, then from Terry, I went to uh, Max, who I was with for two years. He coached me into um, a world championship. and. This, the following year, I came in second. So I had back-to-back podiums as well as the first to do it in that division. And then uh, back injury happened. He's like, hey, this is Tom. This is my mentor. I think he would be a much better fit, which reassured me that Max was the right person to as a coach. Because a lot of guy, a lot of coaches will grab on. They'll get a good athlete. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your type of athletes, anything you throw at them, they'll respond to because we're workhorses. Yeah. We'll make it work. Yeah. And... The fact that he just didn't hold on to me, he had my what I needed in mind as a coach for him to go, hey, I'm putting you with Tom. Um, I think you'll do better there because he's more equipped for what's going on with your back. Was like, Max is good people. We're we're yeah. still front like we all stayed together at Worlds and stuff, and um, so like surrounding yourself with those people that kind of whether it's on purpose by accident to get you it's like you guys like I'm a firm believer in surrounding myself with people that are way smarter than me like I am all gas and no brakes I'm extremely chaotic in training mentally um but my brain is geared for stress and contest and I think clearly in contest I am the chaos it's like the frequencies match because chaos or uh (laughs) contest can be very chaotic so it's like that's your flow state. Yeah. Yeah. You throw me in chaos, I'm good. If I'm not in it, I'll create it. Yeah. We yes. have noticed that firsthand <laughs> as well. Yeah, 100% um, that. Yeah, Nikolai, it's, it's cool hearing you two shed a light on the importance of, like, having that team around you, whether it's having a great coach who then passes you off to somebody that's going to be a better fit. Like, I think that's, like, the highest level of building trust with a client, too, is when you can look at somebody in front of you and say to them like hey listen i'm gonna stay in my lane and drive fast but this is the best person for this thing and that's something that katie and i get to do all the time when i have a client come in you know to my pt clinic they've got an injury we're working through more exercise based stuff and they just need some really good tissue work and body work i'm like yo meet my girl katie (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and it to some extent a lot of pts and i think just professionals in general or coaches struggle with that because it's like oh man, am I going to lose the trust of the person I'm working with because they're going to think I'm not capable or they're going to think I'm not good enough. But it's the exact opposite. People are like, wow, like, thank you so much for sending me to the best or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so for you, you've got your coaches. um, You've got Katie and I kind of on your team now. Katie, I'd love if you can talk a little bit about what you feel like your role has been in Nikolai's journey, let's say the last six months leading into prep um what has it been like working with him and what do you feel like you've mostly been focusing on 
I feel like the last six months have, we started with the injury because he came in with that. So we're taking him back to square one with sports massage and with the work I do with ice them and cupping. What we're doing is we're breaking down all the excess scar tissue buildup. And as someone who's been competing at the level he has, he's been in combat, he had a physical labor job, his body had a lot of just tissue buildup everywhere. So it was restricting his range of motion. So in the beginning, it was, all, it was like our 90 minute sessions of just essentially chiseling away lactic acid debris and scar tissue to just even get to the injury site. In the last, like leading up to Worlds, it was what, half hour, 45 minutes mm -hmm. every week. And it was just like maintenance where it's like, okay, this tweaked a little bit. Can you do this? Cause I'm gonna do this. And then I see Julie for this exercise. So it would be me, you know, like with the glutes, like if he was having issues with the low back, we're gonna open up the glutes and everything. And then he would go to you and you would give him the exercises to help strengthen it. So yeah. it was a lot of uh, maintenance towards the end, but also, and then even after Worlds, when he was like coming down from that, cause that's the other thing people don't talk about is the post-competition high, oh, yeah. like and what mm -hmm. happens to the body. We're like, okay, you felt great in competition, no injury. We need to keep that and make sure there's no injury. So we're like working through all of the, the hype essentially that's in his body still to get him back to like a base level. Yeah, and I feel like that's a stage that we're still kind of in right now, right? Yeah. Is yeah. navigating that. You kind of had that deload period. You still kept yourself moving, but it was really low intensity stuff. Now you're starting to build again and we're running into a little bit of that yeah. transition, right? Yeah, the, the patellar tendons and the tendonitis. Yeah. Um, Big words. Yeah. <laughs> you listen. The, uh, <laughs> The, whatever you call this stuff the in Jurassic here. you know yeah, all the, that. The, the thoracic get that pregnant ladies final <laughs> oh that was the absolute best yeah wait I want to tell that story real quick yeah. also um, for all of you listeners there's been music playing in the background for like five minutes now we're in a CrossFit gym which is so fun so that's why we're hearing some bass um, but uh, yeah when I first started working with Nikolai we were suspecting um, possible hernia, ended up ruling that out, and then just had a ton of like hip flexor tightness, um, a lot of that abdominal tissue just, just being really tight and rigid. And I was looking a lot at Nikolai's, you know, breathing and bracing strategies and some of those deep hip rotator muscles. And um, long story short, a lot of strength athletes, they brace really hard because you have to in order to be successful at your sport. And uh, when I was looking at that with Nikolai, Katie was with me and we're checking things out and I'm like, oh, you got a little bit of diastasis going on. You know, that's, I just thought it was interesting because I had just come off of all of my pregnant lady courses, you know, all of my <laughs> postpartum stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, they did say this can happen in dudes too. And here's one right here. And so I say diastasis and Nikolai's like, what, what, what's that? Like, what's going on? And, um, Katie is like, oh yeah, like that's what happens to pregnant ladies. You know, when they like get pregnant and their belly grows and Nikolai's eyes get a little wide and he's like, I got pregnant lady stuff. And that was when I knew we were all gonna be a really good match. Like that was really where the fun started. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah, no, it totally was. But um, anyway, yeah, and Katie, I love how you mentioned like in the beginning, being you know a few months out from the big contest, you were able to kind of identify like, where are the restrictions? What's kind of the main problem here? Let's focus on that in big chunks. And then as it gets closer to the actual competition, it's more so Nikolai coming in, what are you feeling, what's going on, what do you need? And as somebody who works with athletes, both of us know, and especially you in the professional realm, you've gotta be able to be adaptable. Yes. Like how many times were there that you kind of have a plan for Nikolai's session? Like, all right, we're probably gonna work on hip flexors today. And he comes in and he's like, dude, my shoulders. Yes. And you've gotta be able to adapt. Like what is that like for you working with so many professional athletes? For me, I have learned to be very flexible with it, and I think that's what's helped me is that like going into, especially again, as you said, with professional athletes, if you get hurt in a game or hurt in a session or something like that, you have to be able to be like, oh, mindset shift. Okay, we're not doing hip flexors. Like his knees have been bothering him. Now we're gonna be doing some more knee movement. So now we're gonna be doing things that might be more movement-based. So we'll be doing like our cupping and walking or cup, you know, like it's so it's, it's uh you have to be able to transition really quick like in that moment essentially when he comes in because some sessions were we had 30 minutes like on the dot before my next person walked in and so it's like all right this is what we're doing and to have to do that um i mean he's good about it too so and like he's good about if i'm like what hurts not 
like beating around the bush and be like, well, I think I've got, no, he'd be like, this hurts. I did this. <laughs> and I'm like, I Can love that. Thank me, you. Damn it. Like that's literally, he'd be like, this is what's doing it. He's yeah. like walking in the office, taking things off. And I'm like, let's go back, please, <laughs> before you strip in my, my lounge area. Thank you. But you never ever knew anyone in here. I know, like not at that time, but there could be people as he's just in his underwear. I'm like, all right, we're doing this. Yeah, no, that's you're so right. That's such a good point. Communication is so important in any time that you're working with an athlete. Um, but as a provider for people training at a high level, that's something where, again, the ego gets in the way sometimes, right? I see so many PTs that they're just like my way is the way and this is what we're going to do and at the end of the day the athlete knows their body better than you ever will um and so really talking with them being open to hearing like what are you what are you feeling what do you feel like is helping there's been times that you know i've tried different like hip flexor strengthening exercises with nikolai and right away he's like oh no that that's not it i don't like that that doesn't feel good I'm not gonna sit around and be like, no, 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 like this is the best one. Like, no, you gotta do that. Like we have to be able to meet the athlete where they're at. So just like in your case, it's like, you know that he's got like tightness in his hips where sure, you could work on that every session. But at the end of the day, like we've got to meet the athlete where they're at. Um, And for you, Nikolai, I mean, have you ever worked with people before, whether it's coaches or just other athletes or providers where you kind of sense that ego stubbornness and mm-hmm. it's kind of a turn off to you as an athlete I've, I've been very lucky in the realm of coaches I've only every coach I've ever had has only gotten me to the next you know level um, as far as like I've had massage therapists and, and other stuff in the past like recently um, uh, I'm going through some stuff for the the migraines and stuff with the VA uh, and the head trauma and stuff and they sent me to this acupuncture lady. And when I pulled up and she had like something about hugging trees on her bumper, um. I was like, here we go. <laughs> um. Which is funny because Carrie's very woo also. And she's like, not But she like had that. a very much more yeah. practical approach, scientific approach. This yeah. one is like, this is what's going on. This is what I need. And then she held up an incense thing to my fingertips, the acupuncture points to see where I could feel. I was like, I've got nerve damage. I can't feel here. Like, and then she's like, well, let's see if we can unblock that. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> so I was just like, you know what? I will sit back and give it a fair shot. And then she told me to open my mouth, stick out my tongue. And my reply was like, you're not putting needles in it. Right? And she goes, no, but if I can see your tongue, I know what's going on inside your body. And in my brain, I'm like, the fuck is this lady going on about? (laughs) And uh, so I'm laying there. She sticks a bunch of needles in the tops of my fingers. I'm like, my head hurts. And shocker, couldn't, still couldn't feel in my fingers. Um, then... Uh, she sticks them in my back, and then she leaves for like 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. And then she comes back in, she moves around, then she leaves. And it just, it was very, it was too much woo-woo and not enough. Like, I, she didn't listen. Yeah, she didn't right? ask what you were she, looking for. She was doing what she wanted to do and what she yeah. knew how to do. And I was just like, I'm out. So I went back to my primary and was like, that ain't it, homie. Like, find me another one. Um... Uh, like I've had chiropractors like tweak stuff. Um, like she put me with Dr. Eric and, uh, I was kind of leery about it because of that. And I got with him and he was great. Um, he listened, he got me imagery to see what was going on. He saw how my C spine is actually curved the wrong direction Mm. from countless hours with a flight helmet on and MVGs hanging off the side. Like my C spine curves the wrong way. Because of him, now I have a C-spine pillow to help. And my neck doesn't wake up as stiff. I just nice. woke up with a stiff neck, and I thought that's just how it was. Um, so, like, yeah, I've, I've had my run-ins with, you know, a lot of uh, massage therapists and stuff. And I was seeing one on Arizona, Dr. Sean Drake, and he was awesome. He had a more holistic approach with science. Um, but the movements and stuff they were having me doing uh, really, really helped me, 
you know, execute when it came time to do that Circus Thumbar World Record. They, I was getting a bursa on my shoulder from the impact of mm-hmm. countless reps. I was getting a bone bruise. He was doing, uh, had me doing like red light therapy, cold laser, um, you know, a lot of some of the stuff that uh, Katie does as well with the scraping and stuff and making sure that right shoulder stayed mobile so I can maintain, get to my rack position. Um, so I've seen like someone who really like cares, listens and someone who just, they do what they do without yeah. any real thought. And it's a night and day difference. And the, the thing that I've seen is what keeps me in strongman is passion. Like, uh, Dr. Sean also works with a lot of like major, there's a bunch of training camps in Phoenix for MLB. Right. So he sees a lot of pro golfers, a lot of major league baseball. So we had kind of much like Katie had like her type that he worked with. And I was kind of like curveball. Um, and you tend to be everybody's curveball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he, he had a background with action sports, did stuff with Nitro Circus and all that stuff. And Tommy's who introduced me to him. And, uh, so I was really like, I think I kind of got a lot of their attention because it was something they hadn't seen before. And they were like, how do we, like it, I sparked their nerd interest. Yeah. Um, yeah. like how do I fix this problem? I can, I can relate to that. Yeah. Cause I think what a lot of the people in your trades have in common is you guys are problem solvers. Like it's like you get handed a living, breathing Rubik's cube and you're like, let's fuck it up on fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. That yeah. is. Yeah. Put um, that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> My human Rubik's cube. I like it. Like, no, but, that's accurate. Yeah. So it, it, I think there's, cause he was the same way. He even had me go to a breath work class mm. and I'm thinking how to breathe through movement, things like that. I was way fucking wrong. Like, I was so far off the mark. I had no idea what I was getting into. I walk in. There's people in linen pants that look like they haven't washed their hair in a fucking week. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And right as I was leaving, he goes, make sure you bring a pillow and blanket. And he knew better because he made sure to tell me that as I'd already committed. He didn't give me that information before. (laughs) Dr. Shaw knew me pretty well. And uh, so I show up. They turn off the lights. I fall asleep within 10 minutes. And I had like a metal like water bottle. And I fuck up the whole thing because I have like like a sweet sleep twitch. And I kick over the water bottle. Oh, and it's no. just like clang, 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 clang. Oh, no. And I hear like, oh shit. <laughs> like, and then I'm laying on the floor so my back got tight. I couldn't stay there. So I ended up going out like doing a bunch of stretches and like the little lobby he comes out, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I just, I can't. I'm like, this ain't for me, dog. Like, so I was like, I'll finish the session. So I go back in. Lady comes around with this pipe with tobacco. And she, they're like, do you want it? We're going to blow it up your nose. You you may get a sensation. It may put you into a different experience. Um, I'm like, lady, I got through a can of fucking Copenhagen a day. Like, (laughs) tobacco ain't nothing new to me. (laughs) And uh, all it did, they blew it up my nose and it just burned and made my eyes water. Now I'm sitting there half pissed off because my nose is on fire. I can't breathe out of it. I'm like, I look at Doc Sean, I'm like, I am never doing this again. And he was like, you know what? You tried it. You sat through it. You even did the, I forget what the term it's called, but like, I'll just say like that room was not a very diverse room. There was a certain type of lack of melanin in the room yeah um (laughs) (laughs) well yeah all that being said though Nikolai like it's what's what I think makes you part of what makes you such a great athlete and also just your success rehabbing some really serious injuries is your willingness to try things like there is such a balance there between like we said a few minutes ago athletes know their bodies best and they're going to give you a lot of information that you need but at the same time You've got to also be able to trust in your provider because there's times I'm sure that Katie is like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. Or I'm like, hey, we're going to do this exercise. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but yeah, like, let me trust you and, and let me try well, it. She, so. she kind of spearheaded all this. She introduced him to you, uh, her other therapist, like Annette, who specializes in that 
sports stretch. Like she knows when my body needs Annette or her um, for their kind of specialties, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And once like I saw what she was doing for me, like I had no reason not to trust when she brought me over to you and then introduced me to Dr. Eric. Like um, it, you have to, like I trust my coach wholeheartedly. Now we have back and forths of my body doesn't like this. And he knows like, it's like, think of like a daily driver car, right? Like you have pretty normal things that you do maintenance on and it's very predictable. Take a race car, it's constant fine tuning, constant. And as you progress in any craft, sport, you go from overall maintenance to tweaks, 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 tweaks. Mm -hmm. And like, look at your education. You had to learn how to become uh, a not real doctor, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nick was trying to get me to hit him on camera. Um, But then you go into like your specialty of pregnant stuff, pelvic floor. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I would say is kind of like, a good example of like a, a fine tuning totally. within your overall spectrum. Um, same with Katie with the cups and the scraping. Like they're all little different things she has to learn within the realm of uh, sports massage. So it's the same thing for football. I mean, you name the sport. Um, but athletes, your body's the race car. So to improve at a high level, you're constantly trying to improve 1%, 1%, 1%. Mm-hmm. And 1% can be the difference of uh, winning. And uh, I mean, back to I was telling you about a four point spread between seven guys. Right. Like, that's 1%. Yeah. Like, and the next point spread down was like six points. Like, the, there's your one percenters. So, in a sport where you're constantly sc- scratching and clawing uh, for 1% at, at the highest level, um, like those little bit of intricacies and tweaks, like one little tweak could take you the wrong direction. So like once you gain that trust, I know for me as an athlete, like I hold on to you. Yeah. Like like um. I don't let go. Like that's where I'm at because I can trust you with my body. Like I know you're not gonna fuck something up. You listen to me, like in my opinion, that's harder to find than it should be. Yeah. Yes. Um, because I've seen coaching done uh, with ego involved. I've seen therapists done with ego involved. Um, I've had like therapists like scramble between the ears type of therapists where like their ego got in the way and I was like I'm out like yeah. as soon as that happened I'm out and uh, so when you see professionals good at their craft and they also listen to the athlete and can work with them it's just it's the difference in that 1% yeah. like I can't say that enough like Athletes have to a listen to their therapists, um, whatever in whatever they have going on, whether it's Cairo, whatever. Take what the professional has to say, but make sure the professional is hearing you. Because like, if Dr. Eric wasn't listening to what I'd say, he also was another one that was good with, kind of. I'd be like, hey, I know our back's the main problem, but I'm also feeling this. Boom, cool, yeah, let's adjust fire, like. I don't think in any sport you can kind of have a linear thing, a linear outlook on yeah. any of it. You've got to be able to... Yeah, you're completely right. It's funny. This week, actually, I have a physical therapy student that is doing a clinical rotation with me. It's my first time being a clinical instructor, my first ever full-time student. And my number one lesson for her this week is, hey, in sports PT, treating athletes adaptability is it um and it is it's never going to be a linear progression there's going to be ups and downs and you're never going to do the same thing every time and um yeah when you find somebody who gets that like you said hold on to them now one more thing i want to ask nikolai going into competitions now you know you're you're competing at the highest level in your sport you've put in so much work that people don't see to get here right Mm -hmm. like gone through the injuries, gone through the rehab, gone through hours and hours of training. What is going through your head when you get to that competition? Like, is thinking about your injuries or thinking about the possibility of something going wrong in your mind? How do you kind of push that to the side and just I don't go? It's in your head? I use it. Okay. So, like, I go through... 
So after I get through the weight cut and being hungry and thirsty and all that stuff. Um, yeah, that was a crazy week. Sitting, yeah, with the flu, 102 degree fever. Um, so after I get to the point like where I kind of have stages. Because you can't be up here the entire day of a contest. Because you're, you're, you'll be so fried like mentally that you, you won't be bouncing back for the next event. So by, I kind of once... I put earbuds in, and when I'm stretching, they're noise canceling. I don't have any music playing because I have a stimulation issue. If I get too overstimulated, like I, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be in a place where it's completely quiet or or whatever. So when I'm stretching, it's very. Uh, I just I want quiet. I don't do it in the athlete area. I like at the arena. I found this hallway where no one was. I went and I did all my warm-up movements, my rotations, all that stuff, and just in quiet. And then when I start doing my movement, then I kick on the music. And it kind of goes from uh, when when I'm doing the warm-ups, what's in my head is what's my body feeling. And then after that, you walk into the bullpen. And that's where you're in the tunnel you see this you see the arena like then I let the failure bring me up fail like the thought the fear of failure like that's what brings me up and my playlist kind of has like a sequence and then like like that is like very like um like I listen to like cashmere Led Zeppelin like just that that riff like mm. um very like heavy 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 metal um some of it not surprised emphasis on the heavy some of it like remember remember one of the days you were training here like we finished pt you were like yo is it cool if i like train grab the yoke i'm like yeah do your thing katie has a session with one of her players and i and i'm like yeah you could take the speaker and you're just fucking blasting like maxing out the speaker the whole place is shaking Katie's, yeah. Katie runs outside and is like, Nicola, and you're dropping the yoke. Like, it, it was wasn't just even the music. It was the it was yoke. The yoke. Yeah. I was like, oh. what is he doing? And I knew it was him. I knew it, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't even see you come in, but I was in session. I was like, I have to go yell at my athlete. Hold on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to go yell at my son. But, like, there's a band <laughs> There's a band I really like called Beartooth because, like, they have very heavy riffs, and then they're, like, very melodic, and the vocals are really good, and it... it, it, it because where I'm at's in a very emotional state because at that point I'm terrified of failure not necessarily for myself like uh it's more of I put this pressure on me that no one else does because I expect myself to perform and like I'm like Derek came down here to support me as a PT like your guys's time and effort like I need to go out here and I need to fuck it up um and, and do well so I let that fear kind of bring me up and I'm kind of like a very emotional, like raw state. And then um, that kind of goes, that switches from, switches from that to me kind of settling down and kind of just like bouncing back and forth to envisioning what I need to do. Like what I train to do, envisioning it going right. Um, Certain events, I need different types of arousal, Mm -hmm. right? Like an overhead clean and press. If I walk out there to 10, I stop. I take a breath and I bring it down to a seven because with overhead, if I get too violent, I make mistakes. But now on a deadlift or stones or carry medley, it is burn the fucking chips. Um, I'm going into that not a functioning human. I am feral. <laughs> like it is. It is. Just I am a ripping different... all of my chest hair off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So like, and uh, my coach recognizes that. Like uh, he some of his he had other athletes and he'd be in their ear telling what they need to hear um or what they needed from him him he could see it on my face like i'm on the verge of tears before i walk out to an event not because i'm scared just because everything all the emotion my soul is into this yeah and every guy standing there gets that and so does he and he's a he he literally walk up he'll run his like little theragun on my back just to kind of keep me like where i need to be um and he'll fist bump me, won't say a word, or it'll be like, hey, fuck him up, burn ships, like whatever, like fist bump me and just get the fuck out of my way. Mm-hmm. Like he's handling his other athletes and he actually came, it's funny you, you brought that up because he came up to me and he's like, I love who you are as a competitor. You're where you need to be. He's like, you are so chaotic in training mentally, so many questions, 
want to do things right. But in contest, he's like, all I had to do was this mm-hmm. and just let me rip. Yeah. And uh, it, it just, those stages and then they call your name for, for on deck and then you're waiting there. You're first at, you're first in line. You see the other guys doing the event. You see a guy fuck up and like, at that point, I'm not even paying attention to the contest. Like the sounds kind of, it almost <laughs> is like an underwater effect. Cause like you're, you're vibrating, you're living very vividly. Yeah. Like the smells, the 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 feeling you can feel the the MC talking. Like I can feel him more than I can hear him, and it's like those things I just absorb. And at that point, then I let the external stimulation happen. Yeah, but like everything you said, else your, is internal. Your soul to it. is in yes. it. Like yeah. that is your thing. And I love that you mentioned just the emotion of it, Nikolai. Because even watching it, like sitting in my living room, having it on the TV watching the events and you mentioned how you all have that just shared feeling i think that one thing that a lot of people don't know about strongman that you told me about and then i saw watching is the brotherhood of it mm-hmm. and the fact that when when, I, when we were watching stones and you see a guy finish the stones he's not running off looking at the crowd whatever he has his moment of fuck yeah and then he's cheering on the dude mm-hmm. right next to him and yep. they're hugging and they're fist bumping they're hugging it out it's like you guys are in it together, and I think that's so special um, because that's something that you don't see a lot in the professional realm. Of course, there's going to be ego involved mm-hmm. in every human and that you need some of that, but at the end of the day, you guys are just humans like who get each other and support each other. Yep. And it, that's really cool. It's To do something at an elite level, there has to be some sort of something wrong with you, <laughs> um, especially in a sport like Strongman that just physically breaks you down constantly. And it's such a roller coaster when it comes to training your body. Like, you have to be, if you're gonna do something like this at this level, you have to be unhinged to a certain degree because you won't make it, you won't last, you won't stick with it. Um, And we know that. So, when you get those top guys together, um, like, there's pictures, videos of like someone who I'm competing against to, to final is behind me screaming and like Nick O'Hare who I've been competing with for a long time um you could call us you know rivals right um I could hear him behind me when I was doing the back pedal he was like five more feet five more feet three more feet three more feet one more foot big pull and then I went like and I could trust him because mm-hmm. like I know him I know he like he doesn't want to beat me at my worst I want to be him in his worst we want to we want to all be at our best, puts on a show, it makes us all feel good, and it. I don't want to beat someone because, you know, they they got hurt or anything like that. Like, I want that smoke when when you're firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Like, let, let's, yeah. let's show up. Yeah, rising together. I love yeah. that. Now, we've got to wrap up because Katie and I both have a client in about <laughs> yes. one minute. Um, but really quick, I've got one more question for each of you. This is the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. We are centered around pursuing high achievement with the principles of passion, perseverance, and performance. Katie, I would love if you could share one personal goal that you have right now and how you're working towards it. Um, Nikolai actually motivated me this year. I'm learning <laughs> to strongman. Life. Let's go. So I started with a coach who's actually one of my clients, Alexis, and she, I think, holds the record for strict barbell curl for women. Like, I don't know if it's mm. a world or if it's just U.S., but she's got massive arms and she started <laughs> like she's wonderful. And so I was like, you know what? It's time to, like, 2023, I put a lot of myself into my business, into my family, into, like, we moved, like, a lot that wasn't just me. So in 2024, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get strong as fuck. So, hell she yeah. to be a sturdy bitch. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> you know that Nikolai and I are both here for that. When I you to the gym. I know. Yeah, we need a squad. We need I, a squad I'm left. Good. Let's do it. And we'll post the highlights for sure. Absolutely. Um, Nicola, let me flip the question on you. What's a personal goal you have right now, and how are you working towards it? Um, get back in the 800-pound deadlift range, get this back right. Um, I started my own business. Um, the Admiral of the Black kind of bounces off my character, but not. it's not really about me. Um, it's more about kind of my approach to life on um, the whole pirate thing. You know, I play my character within... The sport, but um, just kind of following the dopamine. 
Like there's a there's a power term called swashbuckling. It's basically doing hood rat shit with your friends. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, you know I'm a man of many uh, things in life, and from backflipping motorcycles to driving across the country in side by sides, um, to athlete, flying helicopters, to military stuff. Um, I kind of just go where the where that drug dopamine takes me. It's like where and, the adventure um, calls you. You're there. Yeah, like I just I I I'm making I'm making it all up as I go, and um, I don't necessarily like playing by the nine to five rules yeah. anymore. So, um, Admiral the Black, it's going to be launching um, end of January, early Feb. We're starting with the patch hat. Sick. Um, we're going to be I'm going to be doing banners like flags, uh, patches, and eventually like shirts and stuff that just kind of embody that people that are out there, you know, following that dopamine. Yeah. I love that guys. Thank you both for being here. I'll make sure that I put links to all that stuff when it drops in the description, you guys can check out Katie on Instagram at plain sports massage. Find that in the description, Nikolai at uncle Nick. Thank you guys both for being here. This was super fun. This was fun. Definitely we'll have to chat with you guys more. And I can't wait for that workout that the three of us are going to get to. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you guys up. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nikolai and Katie and got a peek into the behind the scenes of a professional athlete. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love if you shared it on Instagram and tagged us so we could personally say thank you for the support. If you haven't already, head on over to your favorite platform, leave a five-star review for the show, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, we will be back next week with another episode.